This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Timothy Harfield from Jasper, Georgia, and you're listening to a special Horse Husbands Only edition of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 22nd, episode 1525, brought to you by the Shaken Fork. I am a manly man who lives a manly life in my manly house with my manly wife. And now, from the Man Cave at the Horse Radio Network, the monthly Horse Husbands episode starring Timothy Harfield of Horsehubby.com and America's Horse Husband, Glenn the Geek. This one is for you guys. No horse women allowed. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on this Thursday morning. Of course, it is the fourth Thursday of the month, which means Timothy's back, and it's time to talk all things horse husband. You know what that means, ladies? Get the heck out. We don't want you listening today. Today is reserved for the guys. Now, guys, if you happen to be the horse guy, that's okay. It's still reserved for the guys. We don't care. But, uh, of course, we ban all women from listening to this episode, and we know every month that they follow that to the T. We know we have no women listeners right now, Timothy. I haven't heard a single woman on our show. Not one. Since we started. That's correct. Not a single peep. I think they're following the rules, and... Thank you, ladies who are not hearing my thing. That's right. You are not listening. (laughs) We appreciate that. Well, what do we have coming up on today's show? Well, today, actually, we have an interesting set of uh, topics. Well, first of all, I'm going to talk a little bit about my experience in England. That's always fun. You know what kinds of toilets I'm going to... Have, I will have discovered uh, if, if last year's show uh, around this time of year was any indication. That's the only thing we talked about. <laughs> Going to talk a little bit work, about work-life balance, um, but really excited to have Mark Smith on the show. Mark Smith is, of course, a uh, uh, famous, world-famous uh, husband to Susan Friedland Smith, who runs the blog uh, Saddle Meat Seeks Horse, and he finds his, himself on that blog regularly. He's going to talk to us about what it's like to be uh, the constant subject of blog fodder, (laughs) a little bit about what the, what uh, mountain bike racing is like compared to riding a horse and uh, you know, some, some health tips as well. Um, I know Glenn as a, as a husband to, I am a specimen of fitness, Timothy. Dude, I am not. No, I'm just I, kidding. I, I feel like I used to be, but then I got married. I got married and got like a job. That's <laughs> I got a job, and now I'm like every day I'm surrounded. Not surrounded. I have to face my wife, who's been working out all day long. She's totally ripped, peak of like athletic perfection, and I have just been staring at a screen and all we're day. We're all a little doughy. I'm a little, I'm a little doughy, you know. Like before oh. you cook the chocolate chip cookie, it's that doughy consistency. <laughs> so, so I, I think uh, Mark is a is a health expert. I wouldn't say he's a health nut, but he might be. 
Uh, and so looking forward to getting some of his feedback uh, about, you know, things that he's learned along the way. And we may, in fact, end up talking a little bit about equestrian women as as uh, healthy and athletic as they are um, in their sport. Oftentimes, we, we still find that equestrian women don't take nearly as well care of themselves as they do their horses. And so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Very good. We're looking forward to that. Uh, well, let's let's first uh, talk a little bit about your trip to England. First of all, remind everybody why you were there and uh, what was going on. So Elisa competed at Burley. It was a really important event for her. It was, again, lifelong dream. And for uh, the horse husbands listening, have no idea what that is. It is the toughest three-day event in the world. Yeah, and what's really interesting, so as, as an event, each year, Burley is the most challenging three-day event uh, in the world. It's one of just six four-stars uh, worldwide, and it is the most difficult four-star uh, uh, worldwide. This year, actually, statistically, they found that the cross-country course was the most challenging cross-country course since 2004. So what you have is the most challenging course of the most challenging competition since 2004. Uh, I want to say something like 44% of people who entered did not complete. So uh, the fact that Elisa completed cross-country was amazing, um, not only because she did well, but also because she survived. It's terrifying watching uh, her, her, anyone do that course. There, um, there, some of those jumps were just ridiculous. Oh, I still remember talking to um, uh, our good friend Brian Rutledge, who said, dude, absolutely take a look at the course, but do not look at the course until after she's finished, because uh, it is... Uh, you'll 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 throw up. I mean, some it, of those some of those ditches. I don't know if you call them ditches, caverns, um, and and some. It just was ridiculous. Some of those tables seemed like they were twelve feet wide. Massive, and and the complexity of some of these combinations was just. That's what was wiping people out, right? Duckouts and things like that. Absolutely, and of course yeah. we had a, a little bit of rain in the morning, which. Alisa um, loves. She was praying for rain. She's always had good luck with the rain, but it makes things just a little bit more more challenging. So you know the fact that Alisa competed. You know I talked to my family. What you pray for number one is is safety, and so she was safe. She completed uh, and finished very well. She ended up as congratulations the, by the way to her. Yes, completing. She was the top ranked American rider. She was like fifteen or sixteen, wasn't she? She's fourteenth. Fourteenth, yeah. And uh, the top-ranked Burley rookie. Woohoo! All the people representing Burley was their first. Alisa was the the highest ranked, so did incredibly well. And she and uh, and Johnny were uh, recovered incredibly well as well. So they are both at, in their peak condition and looking forward now to badminton which will be in may what did so we'll she go- say after did did you know we we all look at how the course rides and of course you know what about 50 percent of them wiped out or fell off or ducked out or were eliminated in some shape or another on the cross-country course did when she finished did she say that's the toughest course i've ever ridden or what did she say to you it was a combination of inarticulate like excited jibber jabber jibber jabber <laughs> and tears like it was and, and you could see it in the vlogs right you know some of the interviews and some of the vlogs the emotion that it, she experienced was just amazing to see and people comment that they, they rarely see that kind of honest emotion 
uh, when riders and, uh, and athletes in general are, are interviewed, you know, so after dressage, Alisa was asked questions and interviewed and she couldn't help but hold back to back tears. You know, after cross country, she was ecstatic. What is amazing for any, any of you horse husbands who have not had the, the privilege of uh, being in this situation my what this is the experience i think of, of any sort of husband of an equestrian woman who is performing at this level of competition especially in, in eventing prior to cross country con, cross country day she is the worst person to be around like to at like you can't talk to her she's in a mood like she's just and, and the reason is incredibly focused and what she's about to embark on is so high pressure and so dangerous. You want her to be focused. Um, very. Yeah, but we're horse husbands and we always just want to help. And, and, and we want to be helpful, right? And we think we're helping by trying to be helpful. And in that case, and I've been through that, by the way, not the level you are, uh, but it's not helpful. <laughs> You're better just to stay the hell out of the way. Oh, and, and the, so we do these vlogs, right? And so I'm, I'm going around with the video camera and I am documenting everything. And so Elisa's trying to focus and I am this guy who she loves, but is like throwing a camera in her face constantly, which is <laughs> so annoying. So, but what's, and then subsequently, like fast forward, competition's over. She's looking at all the footage and we're posting and she's like, thank you. That was great. I'm glad you did it. Even though if you were like so super annoying at the time, please do it again. But expect that I'm going to bite your head it. off. <laughs> Absolutely. But then the minute after cross country ends, you know, it's like this thing lifts and there's there's pressure, of course, because you have cross country. You have um stadium jumping the next day. But. Everything lifts. The mood of Elisa lifts, but not only of Elisa, of all the riders and all the grooms and everything it is just really amazing to be in that environment and to see, to just feel, especially in the barns, to feel uh, how everybody is changed after the relief that is cross country. So uh, definitely not a vacation. I wouldn't suggest this as a vacation for anyone. But just amazing, an amazing experience. I'm still getting used to it, uh, and um, and trying to figure out, like you say, Glenn, what, what is the best way to help. And oftentimes, like we've discussed, the best way to help is just to to be happy and not present. Um, at least until after. Best way to help is not be in the way or or be a pain in the butt. Just you know, don't just, be in the way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, be prepared to get whatever whatever you need to get, or stay out of the way. Uh, and just be happy. You don't want to be another something, another life force that is unpredictable and grouchy that, you know, your wife needs to take care of. You have to be low maintenance and stay out of the way and and be light about it. And, um, uh, you know, like I say, I'm still getting used to the experience. I'm still relatively new to this, especially at this high level. Uh, but just what an incredible experience. Uh, uh, experience and thing to to be around i just i gain so much respect for my wife every time i see her compete and am allowed into her process just a little bit um i continue to learn a lot even as as a distant spectator and then after the fact as we talk through uh her experience just just wonderful all right so let's uh take your wife out of the mix and you as you as the guy just over there what was what were some of the highlights for you take the competition aside 
Was there anything other than the competition? There really isn't anything other than the competition. I don't know. You it's- guys got to go out a couple nights and celebrate and do things, didn't you? Yeah, no, it was good. We we were able to go out almost every night. Uh, we went to Burley Castle and got to meet. Um, did you uh, get local- inside the castle? By the way, we, we did. We went inside what the was castle. That like it was awesome because you walk in and it's this this castle, and it's lived in. And so you walk in and there are like coats and toys everywhere. It's oh, like really? the <laughs> weird thing. Like it's like. A castle, but it's someone's home, which is fascinating. Yeah, because uh, usually, um, because usually, what happens is you you go through these as a tourist, where they have them just set up, and there's nobody living there, right? Right. Yeah. Everything's behind like velvet rope, yeah, right? To, but not touch. And here, you know, we didn't. I didn't walk through the house. We just sort of walked in and then walked into this beautiful sort of um, yard, I guess. Uh, but it was really cool to see like coats and toys and like. People were living there, so that was really, really neat. Um, a lot of sort of excitement on the roads, what, being with Elisa and her father as they tried to remember which side of the road they were on. Uh, we didn't cause and, any accidents, did we? Yeah, No, no, we didn't cause any accidents. There was definitely, definitely some miscommunications, uh, which you, know, you can see in some of the vlogs, but... Um, uh, no accidents. Everybody came back safe and sound. And I really have to sort of thank uh, Catherine Coleman, uh, who's not who's an she's an American writer, but she lives over in in the UK. And we were we stayed with her. We got to get to know her her French mutant French bulldog buddy, and uh, and she was really generous. She let us stay in her lorry while we were at Burley, and so we were able to stay on site. Um, so ev- everything everything about the trip really revolved around around Burley and around that competition, which is the right thing to do. Um, well, that's great. And I'm glad Rick, uh, that would be uh, Lisa's dad, Rick Wallace. I'm glad he got to go along too. Yes. She yeah. had a really strong team between Rick, uh, his working student, Briggs Surratt, um, and and our our groom, um, Lorraine Kay. So good team. And uh, horses home and fine now? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't know if he was going to make it across the border. Yeah, there what happened little, there? I saw a post, but I didn't get that. We were on vacation, so I didn't really s- see what the, happened. The, the shipper lost some important paperwork that they should have oh, had. I thought you were going to say the shipper lost the horse. <laughs> <laughs> the horse was fine. Johnny's in it's China paperwork. somewhere. <laughs> no, no, it's amazing. A piece of paper, a single piece of paper can can uh, put everything at risk. But So was he must- stuck in England? Is that what happened? No, here. Are we stuck I, I, here? He was here, but couldn't like go, move past the fence. I guess something. Was like he in that. the New Jersey holding facility? Is that a DC? Were they in DC? Somewhere there. Yeah, there's two big ones up there. Yeah, there's they were somewhere. Ones. See, I, I, I just, I hear the, I get the cliff notes. I hear the, the high level <laughs> right. sort of what happened. But you know, made it safe. Was really excited to be home, and now they're both home, and. Uh, and he gets some vacation, and now at least the guest to look th- to the next thing. For Johnny, the next thing is going to be badminton. But now she's looking forward to she's going doing an an, an off the track thoroughbred makeover in in October. Yep, that's at the Kentucky Horse Park. Um, and she is being how's featured. that horse doing? Or is she just doing the demonstration? She's not training one, right? Oh, she is. Oh, she, she is. is. Oh, that's so right. So she's working with a, a horse named Henry. Okay, he is a thoroughbred. Uh, obviously, obviously, and yeah. he acts like a thoroughbred. So <laughs> that's fun. So she's been working on on different different tricks and things. Um, 
I think her experience with the Mustangs really does it does well to translate to her experience with the off the track thoroughbreds. Similar in certain ways, but extraordinarily different uh, different in other ways. Interestingly, the Mustangs tend to be a little little bit more thoughtful and be able to 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 take a step back and to process information more quickly because they're able to think through it. Whereas the thoroughbreds, again, I'm not an expert. I don't know anything. But what I hear and what I see is that the thoroughbreds can be a little bit more reactive to things as opposed to taking the two seconds to actually think through and process what's happening around them and the demands that are being made of them. So interesting to see how different horses react to different situations. Very good. Well, I'm glad you guys had a good trip. We we actually watched the cross country here, so that was fun to watch and uh, to see her go around. So that was cool. Uh, although uh, when I was watching Jennifer do it, I remember having my eyes closed a lot. So I don't know. Did you keep your eyes open the whole time? I did. Oh. I, like we were able to watch her live on the screen, so they had like a tent set up for all of the supporters. Uh-huh. And so in a tent, so we were able to see the entire cross country run. But in the middle of it, as far as the coverage is concerned, there is a a hole. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And when I Alisa noticed that too, entered that hole. And there was no coverage with every second that went by me, Elisa's father, Rick Briggs, all of whom were in the, in the, uh, in the tent, got more and more anxious, (laughs) (laughs) just waiting for her to please, please emerge. And unfortunately she did. And she came in and, and, uh, you know, talk. Because by the time she went, a lot of people had ducked out or come off or been eliminated. So it was, you know, there there had been quite a few by the time she went. Yep. Yeah. So. For sure. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I'm glad everything worked out. We're glad she's home safe and looking forward to her next competition at the Kentucky Horse Park here in October at the Thoroughbred Makeover. Me too. It's kind of nice to see your wife, Glenn. Well, it feels like for the last two months she's been traveling a lot with sort of Olympic stuff over here, and then like burly stuff over there it's been like about two months that i've seen her once in a while but you are still married then we're still married i I checked i checked when she came (laughs) home checked with her yep yes we're still married good still been like each other so that's good good good. looking forward to the next thing yeah yeah, that's good (laughs) well let's do this let's uh take a break we're going to talk a little bit about our sponsor for this show and of course that's the shaken fork and the flex and fork I was at uh, WISA, which is the Western English Sales Association uh, trade show in Colorado. We were out there on vacation, and the first day we stopped. We'd never been to WISA before, which is huge. It's it's the largest uh, wholesaler meets retailer trade show for the Western English world, and there's hundreds and hundreds of vendors there, and it's, it's a huge building. Uh, and I kept seeing all these imitation, and I say imitation because that's right. Uh, if you're not a shaken fork or flexing fork, you're an imitation manure fork. And the one that I just, the one that uh, caught my eye, and I saw it a couple places, was the one that they make where the, if you, your tine breaks, you can replace it. It's multicolored, and it has these breakable tines basically and you can replace a tine by tine if they break and i'm i all i kept thinking was i've owned a shaken fork and a flexing fork for five years now and haven't had a tine break so you know what why would i buy something that i'm expecting to break in the first year when i can buy something that won't break 
It just made no sense to me when I was looking at it going, this is planned obsolescence. Obsolescence. They're planning for this to break, so you have to buy new tines. Or you can just buy one that's not going to break. That's your option. So, you know, spend a couple dollars more. There really is only a couple dollars more. And get the one that's not going to break. And besides, with the shaken fork, it does half the work for you. You save half the bedding. You save half the time by using the shaken fork, which has a motor in it. It has a trigger on it. And it shakes the fork for you and shakes all the, the clean bedding out. And you're left with the poop. You throw it in the wheelbarrow and you're, you're on to the next stall. So, you know, there are a lot of professional riders using the shaken fork and flex and fork. If you want the Cadillac of manure forks, then you need to look. At, at these two products. The Shaken Fork is a little bit more expensive, but as I said, it's going to save you betting and time, and you're going to be good to go. And the Flexen Fork is a manure fork, but it's a tough manure fork. It has a built-in suspension system. We use it around here in Florida when you're cleaning the pastures. There are little viney things that grow in Florida that have like roots on top. The, the grass is weird, and the little trees are weird, and they all have these little viney things that catches your, your, your tines. And what happens if you use any other fork, you're getting the flicking thing and it flicks poop right in your face. This one has a suspension system where that doesn't happen. So check them out. If you haven't looked into them today, do it before you go out and buy another one that's going to break in six months or before you have to go changing out poopy tines. Uh, Go to equitymfg.com or shakenfork.com. That's S-H-A-K-E-N fork.com or just Google it. Just Google Shake and Fork or Flex and Fork, and you will find it today. Order yours, and you know what? Christmas is coming sooner than you think. It's a great Christmas gift, a practical one that they'll thank you for all year long. So on the show today, we are really pleased to have Mark Smith. Mark Smith is, of course, the world-famous husband of Susan Friedland Smith, who's a blogger. She writes a great blog called Saddle Seeks Horse. Uh, Mark Smith, he's a a high school teacher. He's a mountain biker, um, uh, and with a really strong passion for all things health, and in fact, also computer science. So, I want to welcome you. To, welcome you to the show today, Mark. Hey, it's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, I should say, privilege. Really, it's a pleasure. Pleasure, but also my privilege. For I think I think for the last few months we've been asking, and it just hasn't worked out. So, really happy uh, that it's worked out today. Now, you said uh, yeah, health, uh, that he's healthy. That eliminates him from our show. We have to say goodbye now <laughs> because we don't, we don't like healthy husbands. Um, it makes us look I go bad. against the grain. Yeah, I do. I right. Do. Exactly. It makes us look bad. Yeah. 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 And the healthy computer <laughs> scientist as well. I know. It's all kind of weird. Uh, you're the one in the country. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's really strange is that uh, I also swing dance, and I do my best to kind of compete in it. Uh, I'm not very good yet at the competition stuff, but it's so funny because I'll be out on a ride and I'll finish it up. I'm with a group of other guys and we've just climbed 4,000 feet and we're dusty, dirty, and we're all hurting. And I said, hey, sorry, guys, I got to leave. I've got to go to dance practice. (laughs) And what do they say to that? Uh, you Your know, mountain biking they're friends. Very supportive. <laughs> I think they're terrified of it because I'm. I'm always thinking, "Hey, why don't we all go? Bring your wives, and we'll all go swing dancing." And they pretty much just stay quiet because I I hang out with guys that for fun they'll take their bike apart and put it back together. Yeah, and I just I, I'm dropping the bike off at the shop. 
I've got a, a great local bike shop and they, they treat me like a king probably because they're, they're, they're getting so much of my paycheck, but it frees me up to worship my equestrian blogger. Right. So how in the heck did you uh, meet your equestrian blogger? Uh, it's an interesting story. I had been through a divorce and that kind of starts refining some of the qualities that you really would like in someone. And I, I wasn't really meeting anyone of the kind of caliber that I was hoping to meet. And I have a, a I call her grandmother type, uh, somebody that I've danced with before and she's, she's Jewish. I'm Christian. And, and she said, you know, you, you really need to get on one of the Christian dating sites. And she gave me the name of one. And I gave it a try, and immediately there were 10 good candidates. And, you know, if you want to equate them to horses, it's like, hey, look at I've got this, this, and this, and this. They're all there uh, to check out. And so I wrote to each of them through this website, and I only got one response back, and it was Susan. But I checked all the requisite boxes. I thought, well, this is really cool. She's a teacher, and... Uh, she swing dances and she's a Christian. And, you know, I, I like the way she wrote. Her responses were actually quite intriguing to me. I thought, here is an intelligent woman. And she didn't write about all the, all the things that kind of were a turnoff to me. And it, I don't know, it was just very in, in, intriguing. So she was the only one that wrote back, and I, I have this feeling like the website actually kind of stacked the deck, and there were uh, nine fillers there, and then one real person. And one thing Susan has going for her that so many women I know don't is this this perseverance. Uh, she had been single for a long time, and she was just kind of holding out, probably looking for the right guy. I'm hoping she found the right one, and you know trying to live up to the standards that she and her, her parents and society might set. And I I'd probably fall short, but uh, anyway, she kept sticking with it. And I know that some of her friends kind of gave up hope. And when uh, I, she eventually admitted to me, she said, you know, Mark, I, I read your little profile there and you, you kind of sounded kooky. And I, I had to show you to my girlfriend and she read it and she said, Oh, he kind of sounds sweet. You know, I think you should check him out. So, uh, we had a, a first date and it, it went swimmingly and, uh, you know, the rest was just really super easy after that. She's, she's a great gal. And, uh, I, my expectations were easily met. Did she uh, disclose the horse thing in her profile? Uh, I would, gosh, I'd almost have to go back and, and reread. Uh, I don't think I knew at that moment how dedicated, if that's a strong enough word. Addicted would to, be better, probably. Uh, addiction, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, definitely. I'm not sure that I knew that. That's that kind of disclosure she she's not going to make. But I I appreciate her I don't know, when I, when we got married, the, the day of our marriage, I, I, I had written a poem to her, and and she has a habit of kind of picking up strays. She had gone to a rescue and rescued a dog, and she 
I know been a big supporter of horse rescues and then she ended up with me and I, I kind of felt like I was a rescue as well. Now I, I wasn't a wreck, but I, you know, I was a good guy and all, but I felt like I am a little bit of a kook and just, I go against the grain, hopefully in a good way though. And she added me to her menagerie and that's kind of the word I used in the poem. And you are kind of a kook, to be honest. So, so I I came to know about you, Mark, as a result of knowing Susan first. And the way that I came to know Susan was through her blog, Saddle Seeks Horse. And I saw, like, every once in a while, she would post something about her kooky husband. And I think the first, yeah. like, the first post I remember seeing, and I think I actually posted it to horsehubby.com or in some sort of fashion, was you riding a horse wearing surfing gear and then she submitted the two of you submitted a picture which was really cleverly done actually and it's in the horse hubby calendar of you wearing what mountain bike gear riding a horse over a jump and susan wearing equestrian stuff something like that so like the two of you have a whole lot of fun obviously and so she takes your kook runs with it and it seems like you're able to play off you have a really nice dynamic or at least that's what it looks like in the blog post but what i want to ask you is this is it do you ever feel like everything you do is like potentially blog fodder like do you worry that like one day you're gonna read her 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 blog and she'll start she'll have talked about something that you've done yesterday that you had no idea about uh, well, I know, first of all, that she is kind of a sensitive writer and very proper and appropriate, which that's where the two of us are kind of opposites because uh, I'm not a shock jock or anything, but I will let something fly where she's just kind of aghast. And I have fun with that. And I don't want to ever corrupt her, but uh, she comes from a, a fine lineage, whereas I'm a little bit more medieval and it's kind of fun to more or less work her that way. But uh, yeah, if something were to pop up, I would just like, yeah, I got some points here. It, it's fun for me. I'm kind of, I, I'm hoping to one day kind of become the Stedman to her Oprah. And I'm just this guy out in the wings and she's famous and all. And it's the only, uh, the only time I'm going to ever be in the limelight because I, well, I take that back. I mean, I, yeah, I am that kook, and I did win the Halloween costume contest at my local ballroom three years in a row. So, um, but other than that, I am usually kind of in her shadow. And uh, so, if she writes something, it's kind of fun for me. And it's fun for for me too. Like it's it's kind of like you're this wacky next door neighbor or this like weird character in this, you know, ongoing blog story and it's always sort of really fun to have you appear uh and to see what you've been doing and more importantly how you are smashing together really your own interests and pursuits with her sort of equestrian um uh lifestyle yeah it's odd the the parallels between what i do and what she does uh she gets on a horse and she has to control the animal. She has to use a a special technique to train it, teach it to do exactly what she wants. They're different horses at times and uh, they respond differently and she has to modulate accordingly. Uh, When I'm on a bike trail, the trails are 
different. Some are bumpier than others, steeper, you know, loose, tight, whatever. But then the swing dancing, I'm, I'm with, I'm a leader and I dance with follows and my job is to communicate with them through subtle body movement, what they need to do. And some are beginners and some are advanced, you know, green versus experienced. And I have to adjust accordingly. So we're both very similar in that respect. And then of course she spends a paycheck or two on uh, equestrian gear, clothing, lessons, etc. And I'm uh, honestly, I, I bought two pair of new dancing shoes in August and uh, was thrilled with those. I got those over on our, our trip when we, we went to Europe recently. And then I've got private lessons I take and a, you know, the desire to look the part when I dance. So we, yeah, we've got some similarities, similarities that way. It would be a tough thing if she was just a, a dedicated you know, housewife waiting at home for her husband to return. And I was out spending all this money, but it's, what's really nice is she goes to work. She then heads to the barn, has her fun there. And I have my fun, you know, her barn is right next to where I like to mountain bike ride. So we, we tend to go do our thing and we come home or I might've been at uh, dancing. I'm sorry, doing dance practice with my dance partner. And we wrap up at about the same time. So we just have some great avocations there that uh, that mesh nicely. The expense piece is really interesting. So last night I was sort of thinking about this show and thinking about the podcast, and I was talking to my wife, Elisa, and I said, you know, what should I ask this guy? I've got some questions, but like, what would you want to ask this guy? And all she said is, well, it sounds like what he does is really expensive. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> which, which, is yeah. To say, which is to say it's nice to have that sort of... That balance because money in a relationship can be really hard and i hear a lot of husbands of equestrians who end up can feel a degree of resentment just because of the amount of money that ends up going to the horses compared to other things and so it speaks to a really important sense of equality not only in terms of the financial investment but the investments of your time as well yeah it's uh, easier for me i think when i was younger and you know, I'm not saying I am mature, but I'm on a path toward maturity. Uh, when I was younger, I know that I would have found it a, a bit of a competition and an affront to her spending excess time with a horse, et cetera. Uh, you know, that, I'm talking like 20 years ago. But uh, at this age, my kids are, uh, from my first marriage, are mostly grown and, you know, disposable in a kind of... <laughs> sarcastic we, way here. Yeah, I was just going to take, uh, can we pick a different word? Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to go ahead and clarify. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, they look at me as being disposable. I know that. Yeah, right. uh, in my case, I, I'd, I love my kids. I'd love to see them all the time if I could. But at present, I've got to let them go. Let's just say less needy. Let's interest. use less needy yeah. instead of disposable. Oh, they're yeah. definitely less needy. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> Susan, on the other hand, does, she doesn't have any children. And the bond that she's formed with her horses and her dogs is just amazing. So I, I, can, I could view it as, well, she's kind of just spending money on her children. I can look at it that way, uh, which makes it easier for you know, a husband who, who might be minding the budget. But I'm, pro I'm out spending 
I know that for my dance, I spent a couple thousand a year just for my kind of my membership and the, the private lessons I'm going to get throughout the year. Uh, I, I buy, you know, like I said, dance shoes, et cetera. Uh, I know that having a, a horse in the barn is a costly expense, but the joy she gets from it, uh, you know, as a good husband, I can be supportive of that and not have to view it as a competition. I mean, literally, you know, hey, honey, we could be driving a, a, a new Tesla here. And, but the truth is, I'd rather drive a humble car and have her experience the joy that she gets. Uh, it really, it's amazing. I just, I just see it in, in a lot of the women that I run into. Uh, they are, they're just addicts, like we said, you know. But then we get back to the can, we get back to the mountain bikers. Who, by the way, you guys are just nuts. Um, so I was we out. We I was in the Rocky Mountains uh, the last couple of weeks, and we were hiking at the in the Rocky Mountain National Park and everything. And and uh, in the forest there, we came across some mountain bikers at the top of one of the freaking mountains that we did off roading to get up to. And there he is carrying his bike to the top of a boulder. And I'm going, there's no way in hell I'm going down the hills that he had to go down. Uh, and you guys are just nuts. I mean, we talk about eventing being crazy and dangerous. That's yeah, crazy yeah. and dangerous. Uh, you're right. I look at eventing, and I, I've been out to Temecula, and I'm headed out there hopefully for a race on November 5th. Fifth, and there's a, a big event, apparently. Susan's going like, this is world-class. Olympians are going to be there, which is really neat. I get to race over here, and, and she's going to be over there covering this for her blog and for uh, Sidelines Magazine. And anyway, the, the eventers, I see them as just daredevils. There's something missing upstairs because they're going to be jumping over these, these monster jumps that are rigid. I know some of them, I know it's all floss. It looks like, you know, 60 brooms were put up there and they've got to jump through the, the broom bristles. But I, I look at others and I go, that, that bar does not move. If you hit that, the rider's going to get pitched over and there's going to be just broken bones. But the, the mountain bikers, uh, there's, there are different levels. You've got your downhillers and they get on these 50-pound bikes that you could never climb with. You've got to shuttle up with a ski lift or a, a, a truck or something, and then you, you ride down. Those guys do insane things with big drop-offs or consecutive drop-offs, and I won't do that because I just see too many injuries. I do something that's kind of in the middle, and that's known as enduro, and I don't race that uh, because I do care about my body, my ability to dance, my ability to get on a horse again, etc., and those are bikes that are a little bit, uh, they're in between. Like I have a, what's known as a cross country bike and it's super light, like 19 pounds. And it allows me to climb really well, to go on the flat super fast. And I can actually descend almost as fast on that as I can my enduro, but it doesn't have quite the safety. So I really would never want to take it on uh, a super challenging run. Uh, I, I've, yeah, I, I got to keep it kind of safe because I really do like dancing my knees and my hips and collarbone and all that. So, but those eventers, uh, I, I give them props because I, I, they'll jump over blind jumps and then there's a, you know, big puddle right after it. 
so it's fascinating. And I, I enjoy, I went to one of those events, uh, the three day events. And I just thought these, these guys are true athletes, but there's no fear there. Uh, Timothy, I don't know how your wife does it. I've, I've watched video and I, I just such respect there. Yeah. So, she's, you know, we're all incredible. Yeah. And it's, ter- it is terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. Now I yeah. have just started getting into mountain biking myself and I think it is oh, cool. the best thing ever. Like I'm it is. racing yet, but I, I love it. I've just discovered that there are these extensive well-maintained trail systems that they're constantly like i don't know the first thing about it all i know is like when i'm on that bike and i came home one day and my wife asked me how much i spent on that bicycle and i told her and it was hard for her to swallow but i'm like (laughs) i'm gonna do this thing right i want to do it i don't want to just get a bike from walmart i want something that i can use go out on and and it's gonna last and that i can learn from and like grow into and that kind of thing so mountain biking is great and it's so much fun and it does have that element of risk attached it has that thrill which i love which is part of like you know trying to participate in the kind of feeling that my wife is experiencing all the time but without Completely. the without the animal part of it which is i part of it is i don't want to feel like i'm i, I kind of want to be selfish and i kind of want to only worry about I don't want to have to worry about the well-being of another animal when I'm out on a trail. Plus, I don't know how to communicate. Like, I, I just am not I'm married, I'm, or surrounded by animals, but I can't communicate with one. So mountain biking is a way for me to sort of participate, to get that feeling a little bit mm-hmm. without actually being an equestrian. But you jump on a horse from time to time. Well, I do. Um, I must say that with mountain biking, it's instant gratification. Getting on a horse and learning to post, and now I'm learning to canter, it's just such a prolonged thing to pick it up and do it well. And I'm getting up there in the years. I don't know how much time I have, but I can get on a mountain bike and I go. And I, I used to live at a ski resort, Mammoth Mountain, and I would ski all year long, I could do anything up there. And I thought, oh, well, it's summer. I'm dead. There's, there's nothing to do now. And eventually, I discovered mountain biking. And now it's year-round. The mountains are just amazing what they afford. Uh, with a horse, I can get on a horse. I can't gallop for miles. I, what am I going to do? So in truth, I am very intrigued by jumping. I like the idea of... Uh, of doing it. And I think it's going to be very similar to mountain biking and and going over some of the obstacles that we do. But I watch Susan, I watch your lessons and I just think, wait a minute, you're, you're just learning how to modulate strides or you got to get three strides in so you can make that jump right. I know it will take me the longest time just to master cantering. And then I got to start learning how to count strides and all. And I just think it's just going to be too much. So mountain biking, how much will you pay for a bike? Oh, excellent question. Uh, when I first, when I got my first good mountain bike, a full suspension bike, that's, uh, basically a, a shock in the front and a shock in the back. And that, that was probably about 2001 or two. I got a middle of middle range bike. It was mountain biking magazines, bike of the year. And I paid, I think about $1,800 for it. 
and I got lucky. It got stolen from me a year ago, or I'd <laughs> still be on it. And I ended up buying, I, I moved up, uh, I ended up getting a one-year-old demo bike, and it was an, a Santa Cruz Bronson. It was their 1.0. They've since come out with the 2.0, which they, they're all telling me, don't ride it or you'll hate your 1.0. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I bought it a year old used and I paid 3600 for it. Wow. And I thought it was a steal. And it's, it's such a plush ride. You can go, literally, you can slam into a sidewalk curb and it just sucks it all up and you just keep riding along. Uh, but it, it's not a good bike for the racing that we do here in Southern California. Uh, you need a lighter bike, one that's super responsive. And I, I came across a bike that was being basically blown out by uh, an online e-tailer that said, we're, we're going out of business. And it was suggested retail 7000 and I picked it up for 3000 before tax. And it's, like I said, 19 pounds. An Olympian had, had ridden that particular model in the prior Olympics and took silver. And I just thought, okay, it's probably a joke. I'm probably going to get ripped off here. But when it arrived and I started riding and I thought, this is the real deal. So I'm not convinced anyone really needs to go out and pay suggested retail for a bike. I know if you wait till the end of the season, you're going to find deals for you know a quarter off at least. If you're willing to go for a used bike like I was, you could get half off easily. And I think you know bikes used... Uh, if they've been well-maintained and, and don't have a, a racer like me on it, uh, you probably have uh, a good, you know, another 10 years on that bike and you, you'll have to replace the chain and the cassette, things like that over time. But that is probably the best way to end up buying a bike is used. You know, and which is kind of like for equestrians. So in, a, so in equestrian, the ongoing debate among horse people, right, is do I buy a new horse or a used horse? And they are like right. <laughs> people on either side. But I think they I, all used at some point, do, unless you're training I, them yourself. I, uh, I do like what you said, Mark, about the the maintenance piece of it, because I feel bad because I don't want to piddle fart around with my bike and take it apart. Like part of me does. Okay, I should take that back. Part of me does want to like fixate on the, the bike. Engineer in you. And like, sure. but you know what? There's only so much time I have in the day, and at the end of the day, when I want right. to get on. I just want to get on. And so I want to just, I want to have a guy and I got a guy to like take care of it, make sure that it works. Tires. I hate tires because they go out and that sucks and you have to fix them. But like, that's the biggest, mm -hmm. thing. but I, I want to be able to just jump in there to that extent. I feel like, and I'm going to do that. I totally, I'm going to, a, I'm going to betray my ignorance and B offend every, you know, most horse women, but they're not listening. So it doesn't matter. Like, I feel like there are, equestrians out there who just show up to the barn and they jump on their horse it's already been tacked up and then they ride mm -hmm. and then they leave so i feel like if i was an equestrian that would be totally my speed jump on a horse ride it around and leave side note my goal for this year mark do you know what what the tadpole level of eventing is well susan mentioned amoeba eventing yes I think Amoeba yes. beforehand. My goal this year is to compete at the Amoeba level. I What's think the Amoeba level? Out. Is that ground poles? Yes. <laughs> and, but but, but nice. I will jumps. I will call them jumps, and I will hold on for dear life. And if I can yeah. stay on. Yeah, but do you have to do dressage, like walk trot or something? 
I don't know. <laughs> I just up on a horse and I'll go. Honestly, what will happen is like Elisa will be on the sidelines and she'll like like kiss and signal and whatever and I'll just hang on and the horse will do brilliantly and then I'll and you win massive ground poles. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I, I figure I can win. I th- think I can win <laughs> against every other 12-year-old I'm competing against that day. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Y- you know, uh, competition's great. So that would be a lot of fun. Uh, count me in. You know, and Mark. if you're out here in SoCal, you need to come riding with me. Glenn, oh, you too. Uh, yeah, I'm a driver. I don't ride. So I have carriages. <laughs> if you have a carriage, I'll be happy to, but I'm not getting up on a horse. Uh, you have so, a ride, right? So, okay, so the carriage thing. Yeah. What? So you're not riding the horse. Right. Do you maintain, what do you, do you maintain the carriage? Are I you, bought a very expensive carriage, yeah. so I don't have to. Um, it's very, so very rugged. There's not really much you have to do with carriages. And, you know, now on the other hand, most fem- women riders will not ride in a carriage. They consider it too dangerous. In a way, carriages can be more dangerous because if you're, if th- things are going to go wrong, you now have the element of a 400 pound carriage that's going to run your ass over. So not only you have the horse having trouble, you're going to have it. You have to worry about carriage wheels, you know, and, and, and all of that and the carriage coming over. Over on top of you. Now, fortunately, knock on wood, I've never flipped one, but it happens. And, uh, you know, that, so that is something you have to, you have to be concerned with. So there's a lot of women who, you know, do eventing and riding and stuff and consider carriages very dangerous. So it's, there's both sides of that. Uh, yeah, she, she views mountain biking as dangerous, but I think, you know, I've heard of a number of injuries at her barn recently. And I know that, yeah, we get injured mountain biking but uh, we're not on top of an animal that's, you know, five feet up. And then our head, head is another uh, three, four feet higher, you know, falling off or having an animal get spooked and then throwing you off. You know, so we don't typically have that element. Uh, and then if we fall, okay, yeah, we might hit a rock or something. They get to fall in there, uh, whatever that footing is. I don't know. Is that cat, kitty litter? <laughs> uh, not usually. Uh, okay, just yeah. wasn't sure. Yeah, it's but used kitty anyway, litter. So <laughs> used kitty litter. Yeah, you all know that'd be motivation not to fall off, do. wouldn't it? Uh, if, exactly. If all arenas were made of used kitty litter, you would never want to fall off. Right. That'd be motivation. Hey, before we run out of time, Mark, I want to talk. We were talking earlier in the show before you got on about uh, about how how sometimes we as horse husbands feel a little fluffy. Because we have uh, we have these sit behind the uh, you know computer jobs, and we're sitting all day. In my case, probably twelve hours a day, uh, and our, you know usually our wives are so fit and trim, especially in 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 Timothy's case where his is a professional rider. That's all. That's usually always the case. And then we just start feeling like crap, and you know don't find the time to go work out and all of that. Now dancing is sometimes good. I just don't feel sexy, Mark. Yeah, that's what we're trying to, wake to say. Wake up, and feel you know. <laughs> That way, maybe we need to take up dancing. <laughs> except I have no rhythm. Uh, well, nobody, yeah, nobody's born with rhythm. We all have to learn it. You think and I have like really, no rhythm? I have no. I can't clap to music because I'm offbeat. Yeah, that that's oh, no, a tough one for people. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't do it. So maybe not dancing, but I could do mountain biking. I do have a street bike that I like. I have my trek that I go out on. 
Uh, nice. Yeah, but you know, nothing serious because I'm not very competitive. But uh, well, my mom raised me on Motown, so I I just I've always followed Motown, Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind, and Fire all the way up, and now. As a swing dancer, my focus is really trying to, to master dance into 30s and 40s type music. And obviously, it's very rhythmic, too. So um, anyway, I kind of derailed your discussion. You're talking about horse husband fitness, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so for me, one of the big – so there are a couple of struggles. So first of all, just the activity level. So I used to be very fit and very athletic and then i met my wife and then i started working full-time and commuting forever and you know i have a desk job and that kind of thing so there's that sort of level of activity during the course of the day that ends up creating a difference it was one thing when i was a graduate student and i could basically study while at the gym now things are different then there's also the fact that because my wife's a professional athlete she and i have very different dietary needs and also, we we're going to talk also a little bit about work-life balance is the fact that the, the sort of scheduling ends up being off. And so we like to eat at the same time, but to eat at the same time means eating at like 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night. But I've been hungry since noon, and so I've already had had a meal, and so I end up eating multiple meals. of ca- like So there are all these things that end up colliding to make it difficult to maintain your health as a horse husband, or maybe that's just me, but I suspect that these sort of issues are more widespread than that. So what, what do you do for your diet? Let's talk about that. Who cooks? What do you eat? Uh, it's interesting. We, we kind of trade off, uh, and we're both pretty fixated on healthy, a healthy diet. And the, the weird thing is she was more of a carnivore, but I think she's actually gotten, she, she's gotten to a point of feeling guilty of, of eating animals. And so she's been backing off a lot. And I just, I lost my taste for red meat long ago. It's weird. I can drive by a steakhouse and I go, wow, that smells good. I want to go in there and and get me a big old steak. But in truth, I have a bite and I go, yeah, I'm just not interested in this. And I have uh, just more or less shaped my diet into really loving vegetables. And Susan, when she cooks, she, whatever she does, she adds the right amount of garlic or spices or combo and, and it all tastes delicious. And I, I get off of a a long ride and I come home and obviously I'm starving and whatever she serves, I just wolf it down. But I I don't want to gain a bunch of weight because it's that much harder to ride uphill. And in fact, I'm kind of trying to lose a couple of pounds before Saturday's race. And so I've got to watch out what you know the bad stuff i eat but uh since we're both teachers we're going to be eating our three meals pretty much at the same time every day and we both like the same food i mean we we have the same interests uh even though our avocations are different you know i'm swing dancing and mountain biking or skiing or scuba or something like that and she's horse 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 and horse uh, so yeah, we, we just we like the same foods. They're all fruit, vegetable, you know, quinoa, kale, spinach type stuff. But we've we've just acquired those tastes uh, because they they meet our needs. Now I I would be a just a big fat liar if I didn't include the fact that we love waffles, gelato, pumpkin pie. Uh, I can't say oatmeal raisin cookies because she hates raisins, but I love them. 
and you know things like that that still kind of keep me watching having to watch my weight otherwise it'd probably just waste away what do you do when you're on the go right on the you're at a horse show or you're doing that kind of stuff like I, i don't know sort of but fast food ends up among equestrians being essentially a staple, especially at horse shows, because it's tough to find food elsewhere, or it's just easy to find, or it's difficult to pack food and that kind of thing. How do you how do you deal with how do you avoid the fast food, or do you? Well, I don't because ninety five percent of the time I don't eat fast food uh, because I, I've got good food with me, and then when I don't have it, I really don't have the guilt. I'm I'm happy to. I'll have literally, I'll eat like four burgers per year. And if I have to, I'm at a horse show, darn, I have to have a burger day. I'll eat it. It's not a problem. And I, you know, let's probably avoid the fettuccine Alfredo, but there's going to be something else that's out there. And I, you know, I, I love fish. So if they've got some fish tacos or something going, uh, I'm actually pretty easy on food. Uh, I just watch what I'm eating at home and I, I don't even have to make a, a big deal out of it. I just go shopping. I go to Costco and Trader Joe's and uh, meander through and I come home with a, a ton of great food. Uh, and by the way, I'll just throw this out there. The Keat mango season just ended. I'm really bummed because it's like a month long. You get amazing mangoes and then suddenly they're gone. And I, I think Keat is pretty big in Florida. I don't know. You know anything about that, Glenn? Nope, I do not. Oh, okay. I just planted a mango tree in my backyard, but I got to wait a couple of years before I can really get any fruit from it. That's so. awesome. We don't grow anything yeah. in Florida anymore. You know, we used to be the orange state too, but now all the oranges, we cannot buy Florida oranges in Florida. They're, they're, all the Florida oranges now, first of all, there's a lot less than there used to be uh, because of development, but uh, they're all used for orange juice now. So the Florida, the oranges we get and most of the produce we get is either coming from South America or from California. And then most peaches That's come from Florida, orange. not from Georgia. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you can't probably can't. It's hard to find a Georgia peach in Georgia. <laughs> so it's weird. Uh, it's very strange. Well, we're running out of time here. We, we, um, there's one thing we wanted to talk about a little bit before we wrapped up, and that was an article on horsehubby.com that was done by one of your authors, um, and that was Martin uh, Hathaway, right? Absolutely. It's it's the work-life horse balance. You know, we talk about the work-life balance with an average couple, and I I I take us out of that because I don't think uh, couples where horses are involved are average couples. So you have a work-life balance, and sometimes the guy works too long or the woman works too long, and you talk about the time, little time you get together in the evenings and everything. When you throw a horse into that, it's totally different. You, you know, now you're not spending, a lot of times you're not spending much time in the evenings together if you both work during the day and then there's a horse or two or three or a lot at the barn at night. Uh, or in even in Timothy's case where she has a dozen or more horses and, he, you know, you still don't see her till late at night. And so you really are looking at weekends then. It, it is harder to be to be in a horse, a relationship where horses are involved with a work-life horse balance. How do you... How do you do that in your case? And now you're throwing in dance and, and riding a bike too. Yes. Uh, it's a, it's a big issue and I am a real proponent of solid marriages. Uh, I love listening to focus on the family in the morning and getting all the wisdom I can 
you know, after you've had one failed marriage, it kind of kicks you in the butt and you go, okay, I need to learn everything I can and, and be the best husband I can. Uh, and they, they basically, in the last couple of days, have said, you know, if you're too busy, you're too busy. And nobody's going to, on their deathbed, going to say, I wish I spent more time in the office or at the barn or whatever. It's going to always be, I wish I had spent more time with my family. So we, we're aware of the issue and we're fairly dedicated toward uh, solving that, making sure that we do connect. And so we have a, a common Google calendar where we're putting stuff on there. And there just there come times that we we do struggle. And Susan is just and she's uh, very true to this nature in that if she doesn't get vitamin me adequately, then she kind of starts to wither. And so as a as a for me to be a better husband, I need to make sure I schedule those date nights and quality time with her. And actually, for the last month, I think I've been a little remiss in my duties. I've got to step up my game here. Um, but you're, you're right. And I, one thing I learned was this concept of pillow time. So even if you can't connect all day long, if you can at least make it to bed together and then hang out for a you know, half hour, 45 minutes, just sitting there in bed, lights out, talking, you know, sometimes some stuff gets going, if you know what I mean. Or just you have some discussion, and that is the connection that you need. So that that's kind of my my tip for how to do that if you're not connecting by day. Timothy, I Any like that comment? a lot. No, 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 no. I, I like that a lot. It, you know, um, it, it makes it difficult if you have slightly different uh, sleep schedules and and you're. Yes. I'm shifted a little bit. So I, I tend to want to go mm -hmm. to bed, say, for example, at 10 and I want to be up, you know, six and, and Elisa tends to large and largely that's a function of my work day tends to end sooner. Um, uh, and so she comes in at, you know, nine or 10 and like it, then we eat and then she still has to unwind. So around the same time as I'm ready to go to bed, she still has to unwind for a couple of hours. So that makes it makes yeah. it challenging. I think for me, a, a really significant distinction is the the distinction between being being busy and being occupied. So two things. So the distinction between being busy and occupied, if you, we're we're never like too often just saying you're busy is an excuse. You're either doing something or you're not. So um, right. this has to do with relationships, not only with my wife, but also with family and with friends and that stuff. I can't because I'm busy. You know, how many of us have been busy while like twiddling our thumbs or watching TV or whatever? Like even if we're tired, it's, it's like OK to say that you're occupied or that you just don't want to do anything right now. Uh, busy ends up being an excuse. Um, but I'm finding that that in, increasingly just being it's important for Elisa that I am in her presence. So on a weekend, if she's going to a horse show or if she's doing something, even if I'm not directly involved or even if I'm bringing work or bringing a book or doing something else, it's important that we are doing those activities in close proximity to each other. So, you know, uh, this weekend or like last weekend, we uh, did a road trip. Uh, to what were we even doing to look at a horse or to pick up a oh we went to pick up a new trailer right and so those kind of trips on the one hand going on those type trips end up taking away time that i could be spending doing other things i.e probably work um but you know 
taking the time apart, doing those road trips and spending time with Elisa while she is quote unquote working ends up being really valuable uh, just as far as, you know, solidifying that relationship and making sure that the two of you are continually present in, present in each other's lives. Because it's far easier for me to, in many ways, become a part of her life than it is for her to become uh, a part of mine in the kind of life my, my my avocations, for example. So that's what, what we're finding is, is working really well. Just me being around her is really helpful. Well, that is one of Susan's love languages, uh, just being present. So uh, when I go with her to an event somewhere and I'm there, we're not connecting in a super romantic way, but she's got me there and I'm, she knows I'm supporting her. And I think that means a lot to her. So with you and Elisa, I'm sure it's the same thing. And while you're not getting any work done, you're she's getting work done, and you're fulfilling your husband husbandly requirement. You know, giving her Elisa your her, I'm sorry, her vitamin, which is you. So that that works. And what I was thinking earlier when you said that uh, your times there's an offset there. Uh, she you could go to bed first. She could come join you. And then when you're falling off to sleep after she gives you that nice back scratch, she can go ahead and get out of bed and get to whatever she needs to do to wrap up. That was uh, something I learned early on. So um, you can still meet each other's connect time requirement. Or I can stop sleeping. That's cool. (laughs) And then, and then, and then what I hear is that if you like, Go on a ketogenic diet, which means basically eating exclusively, mostly fat, some protein, and excluding carbohydrates almost entirely. You basically don't need to sleep as much and can essentially stop eating entirely. <laughs> so I think I think if nice. I nice, yeah, that's good. Can, yeah, if yeah. I can avoid food and avoid sleep, can you imagine how excellent my relationship in all aspects of my life would be as well? <laughs> Ours, I've, yeah. I've actually mentioned this idea to my wife, and uh, she's not a big fan. No, I, <laughs> she doesn't. No. <laughs> we we've always we have it a little different. We've worked together at home most of the thirty years of our marriage, so mm. it's been a different. We're together during the day, but it's work. So we and you know when you own your own business, you're working a hundred times more than you know. They always say own your own business. You set your own hours. Yeah, all of them. Um, our, our work. Yeah, that's what my answer is. Yeah, you know, whenever I hear that, I laugh because it's like when you're in your business, you're working all the time and it's always on your brain. You're never not working. So what we've had to do is force ourselves not to. Our thing is we do get an hour or two uh, in front of the TV night. We like watching shows together and that's that's our downtime together because by the time we go to bed, we just fall asleep in two minutes. Um, so What do you watch? With just anything. I mean, you know, we're big Big Bang Theory fans, and we just watch all kinds of quirky stuff. But it's, you know, it's just that time. That couch time is our time. And we force Mm -hmm. ourselves not to talk about... That's the hardest part. When you work together and you're working in the same business together, when you go out to dinner, what do you end up talking about? When you, you end up talking about work. Because you really have no life outside of work. So, and when you work at the same job and you work for the same goals and, you know, we both work Horse Radio Network all the time and we each work probably 80 hours a week, you really have to, and we actually say to each other, okay, we're not going to talk about work as we're heading to dinner that night. And then we end up talking about work. So it, it is hard. That's, that adds a whole different element to it. Um, 
you know, so the the horses for us, in our case, we each own one, are the time when we go out and we really don't talk about work. So it's our it's kind of our escape, the horses. So for us, it's I think it's a little bit different than than I would say the average couple that both have separate jobs. But that's really interesting True. because a lot of horse husbands, a lot of you married a horse person, and it's not uncommon for that couple to to become entrepreneurs for the husband to share in the wife's passion by co-creating a business and to running that together. And we, you know, Glenn, you and I know have a number of examples of these types of relationships. So it's, it's a way of like sharing in a common life, but it ends up creating these other interesting problems. And, and I really like what you say about, you know, needing to, uh, uh, you, you you still need to find intimacy in other ways that are not related to work, even though that work may have seemed at at the very beginning as a way of resolving that intimacy problem. You know, I know a lot of people fantasize about working for themselves and working at home. The, the thing about that is, and having done it for, for most of my life, the thing about that is it's always there. So, you know, having a, like, if you have your office in the living room, that's terrible because <clears throat> you're sitting there watching TV, looking at your desk, and all you're doing is feeling guilty about, oh, I should get this done. I should get that done. So, having, we, what we learned early on is having a separate office. Uh, from your living space is critical when you work at home because otherwise you'll be working all the time. And that, that gets in the way of your, your personal life too. Um, and that's even harder when one of them works away and one works at home and then you come home and the other one that works at home still wants to work. So there's, there's different dynamics. There's positive and negatives to everything. I don't have a boss. That's a positive. I do. There are sponsors. They're my boss and our listeners. They're my boss, but I don't have a boss boss. And so that's a positive, but there are those negatives too that are always just staring you in the face uh, because it's always right there. It's interesting. I think more and more people having that problem now that we become so mobile and you you're a teacher. That's always there with you too because you can grade you can grade papers, you can do everything you need to do on your computer at home. So and it didn't used to be that way. It used to be you'd you'd you know, you'd do a certain part of it at work and you'd try and get it done. And now those emails get answered. You can do all of that at home and everybody that works at home can do that. So I think that's getting harder for people to separate personal life from work life. Forget horses. Uh. Yeah, and for me, I want to get home. The sooner I leave school, the less traffic there is. So I'm going to just pack up and leave usually, and that does mean I've got something to do at home. But Susan's often blogging and or writing for sidelines, and that you know, again, we're kind of side by side there doing that. And but it's it's really not excessive. We're we're quite lucky, I think, in our particular workload. I had a business uh, that I shuttled earlier this year, and it, it did take a fair amount of my time. But part of shuttling it was just recognition that I would have more quality time for my avocations, uh, Susan, my kids, and I, not in that order, but it's worked out that way because um, I probably have been spending more time with my biking and dancing. But uh, that's because Susan, it's not like she's got an incremental uh, amount of free time for me, but in any event, I, again, I, I wow, I, I we're just so blessed as a couple. We can do what we have. I've been saying that for the last couple of weeks. Wow, everything's just really cool. 
Well, we have so many, so many good things going. We're going to let you go and actually get back to your wife, who, by the way, has been a guest on this show a number of times over the years. We got to get her back. It's been a while. Uh, she's well, uh, tough. She, she's off right now with Zinta. I don't know if you know who Zinta is. No. She's the, you know, she's a world famous model and polo player. And she's off interviewing Zinta. Or actually, I don't think they're interviewing. I think she's just having dinner and, and going for a ride with her. Huh. So she's off having yeah, fun right tough now. life. Yeah, tough life. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I should I should note that Susan wrote a wonderful story about horsehubby.com for uh, Sidelines Magazine, and that's actually in this month's issue. Susan reached out to me, and she says, okay, so it's published. How many, how many copies would you like? A box has 80. <laughs> how many boxes? Wow. And I'm like, you know, that's really great. Um. I don't think I. I don't. Do you think have I, eighty friends. To I don't think I have eighty <laughs> friends. You know, I'll take maybe ten. But, <laughs> but re- really excited about that story. And you know, I again, I, I to be honest, I don't follow a whole lot of bloggers, especially not equestrian bloggers. But Susan does have a really great, engaging, sincere, um, uh, funny, real style. That I think yeah. um, uh, anyone, horse person or non-horse person alike, would uh, would benefit from and would enjoy. And not to mention the fact that you know every once in a while this crazy guy named Mark pops into into the vlog. Um, yeah, it's always a highlight. You know, I often wonder. What that guy'll get up to. I often yeah. wonder about the comedians who talk about their spouses all the time. I'm always thinking about the spouse going. Does she just accept the fact that, you know, probably half of this is not true, so she's just going to deal with that? And then I thought, you know, we do the morning show here all the time, and we talk about our families all the time. So, you know, kind of, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. So I guess it's just something that you marry into it, you put up with it. Well, thank you so much. Saddle Seeks Horse is the name of the blog. Check it out, and good luck with the dancing, and uh, maybe we'll see you as a professional on Dancing with the Stars sometime. I love that. (laughs) Uh, And again, I want to extend, if you guys are ever out here, I'd I'd love for you to... uh... I'd love to have dinner with you, and and just like she's having dinner with Zinta right now, I gotta you know I gotta keep up with the the Susans of the world, and and or we'll go for a, a mountain bike ride as well. And 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 Glenn, what I'll do is I'll take you to a dance lesson. Oh yeah, oh, pretty yeah. good. I'll at be waiting it, for so. that. I'll just uh, yeah, yeah. You, you're booking your flight right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm getting on anyway. that right now. And by the way, I just looked yeah. up Zinta. Uh, and you can go to tw- Instagram zintapolo.com. dot com. Um, that's yes. a nice dinner to be having right now. I'm just saying. Um. Yep. Yep. And I, you're I said, not hey, there. Honey, you're you stuck with us. <laughs> I said, "Do you need a groom tonight?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you're here with us yeah, when you could me... be with Zinta. Uh, right. They'll let me pick hooves, and that's about it. <laughs> we got to get Zinta as a guest. We'll make the we'll make an exception on the female rule, uh, Timothy. If Zinta wants to come on. It's- yeah, it's like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition of Horse Hubby. There you go. I like your thinking. Right. Thank you so oh, much yeah. for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you.
So I don't care what Mark says. I have no rhythm. I cannot clap to music. I owned an acting company for 10 years with some very talented people. And they would not let me sing. Oh, they did not want me clapping or tapping my foot because I was always... And we would do group songs. Like at the end, we had this song we sang at the end of every show. And I was allowed to lip sync if I made no noise. But you know what, Glenn? If you weren't just a little offbeat, I don't know that you would be nearly as successful as you are today. (laughs) Thanks, Timothy. That's a positive spin on that otherwise depressing thought. (laughs) I can see why you're a doctor. All right, so let's call this a day. Where can people find out more about us horse hubbies? Well, you can see uh, on the web at www.horsehubby.com is Facebook and at Twitter. Just Google Horse Hubby and you'll find us. We have uh, uh, an interesting post really on, on a weekly basis. Um, and there, we're steadily adding to our, our stable of authors. And so for any of you horse husbands out there, if you're interested in uh, writing an article or sharing one of your stories, please do uh, send me an email at the T-H-E at horsehubby.com. Glad to be uh, delighted to hear from you. Now, I did have a report for you. I was at the Colorado Horse Park. We did a little listener meetup there last Sunday, not Saturday, and uh, I was wearing my Horse Hubby t-shirt. And I had a couple of people stop me and ask me where they could get them. So we are going to have to figure that out and get it put at horsehubby.com. I know we did a limited run of those, uh, but we need to figure it out so people can order them anytime they want because it was it, it, uh, several people stopped me and asked about the Horse Hubby t-shirt and where they could get them. So we're going to have to we're going to have to figure that out. And I'm wor- wor- I have worn mine just about through, so I think we need to to post in in order yeah. if no, for no other reason than so that I can I have no. a I have another option for that, and I'll talk to you about it after the show. Awesome, very exciting. So, and I, I discovered that at the same show, actually. So, I'll I'll talk to you about that. But you know, we are, the best way to listen to all the past horse husband episodes is go to horsesinthemorning.com. Just search for Timothy or horse husband. It'll bring up all the past episodes, and you can go listen to all of those. They've all been pretty interesting. Of course. Males only. And you can listen to us on your phone. The simplest way to do that is on our app, iOS or Android. Just search for Horse Radio Network. All 10 shows that we do on the Horse Radio Network are there. It's simple and it's easy to listen to and it's free. And we'll be back tomorrow. Jamie is back. We're going to be doing really bad ads tomorrow. So get on Craigslist and find those really crappy ads. Send them to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. The prize this month up for grabs is a box of crap out of my closet. And anybody that's been around a long time knows that my crap ain't too bad. You're going to want to win some. Everybody's, it's on people's bucket list to win my boxes of crap because it's uh, swag that I've gotten from vendors and different products to test and things like that. And I want to get them out of my closet and I throw them all in the box. I hear your crap doesn't smell. No, it doesn't. It is not stinky crap. This is good crap. So you're going to want to win that. Get your entries in, get your ads in. You can go to any Craigslist and find really crappy horse ads. And if you're not, 
sure that you can find them in your area, just go to Timothy's area in Georgia, and you'll find a ton of them. Uh, that's the area Timothy lives in. Just look for husband horse. Yes, Husband, exactly. husband, husband horse. <laughs> you'll find gold. That's right. And remember, if you read them, if you read the ads yourself and make fun of them yourself and send us the recording, you get two entries into the pool for the prize. So we, we love to hear your voices. Plus, then Jamie and I don't have to work so hard. That's it for this month. Thanks a lot, Timothy. Thanks, Glenn. And thanks, everybody, for joining. See you next month. Well, I knew I was in trouble when my wife saw this old horse. He's a pathetic thing, and she said, we've just got to take him home. Know that we can feed him up and get him back on his feet. Next thing I know, there's 14 more in my wife's rescue lead. Suddenly, she's getting 15,000 emails a day. Most of them from people trying to send another horse our way A few times I tried to put the brakes on, but it was just too late She'd hypnotized 14 other wives all across the state Well, I guess there's worse obsessions that my darling wife could choose But that sure don't stop me from having the rescue husband blues we fostered a thousand horses, most whose names I can't recall. But at least I know a little piece of my wallet went out with them all. Now my wife loves the horses, and I've just had to accept that. I'm having a little more trouble with these 40 dogs and cats. Everything was fine until they commandeered my chair. Covered every piece of clothing I own with piles and mounds of hair. Next thing you know, I'm gonna be renting another house. Cause the animals will unionize and quickly vote me out. I'd like to think my wife will side with me when that day comes. But I don't know, she's got a little use for creatures with opposable thumbs. I guess there's worse obsessions that my darling might choose. That sure don't stop me from having the rescue husband blues. We fostered a thousand horses, most whose names I can't recall. But at least I know a little piece of my wallet went out with them all. Now I know some of you fellas out there can surely sympathize. Same thing's been going on at your house and with your darling wives. So let's start us up a club. Let the meeting start. Cause there's a whole lot of Shinerbach beer in misery. Come on and do your part. We've got the rescue husband blues. Sure don't got no money left to lose. Let's get together and talk about the days Before our wives are rescue slaves And drink away these old rescue husband blues Just can't shake these rescue husband